Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. This is the Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. And on today's show, I've got Lois Hollis. Lois shifts our opinions on the taboo subject, shame and guilt. She's a shame, guilt, educator, counselor, filmmaker, author who coined the phrase shame, guilt. Lois has always been a trailblazer. She's helped develop one of the first kidney hemodialysis units in the U.S. at Thomas Jefferson's University in 1966. Today, she's not only shows us why shame, guilt has led us to believe we are victims incapable of stellar lives, but also how to make friends with our inner critic and kick shame, guilt out of our lives. Lois was dying at 55 and today at 79 rollerblades with her grandson because she healed from the shame, guilt of an abusive childhood. Lois was scarred with brain traumas, broken jaws, heart, liver, illnesses with 30 years of migraine headaches. Her impactful story shows us the immense power we reclaim when we release the shame guilt in itself. She has lectured widely, including Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania, events and podcasts, interviews in 15 countries. Her free books, spirit readings and films that make shame guilt visible will teach us how and why we need to know the trickery of shame, guilt, energy to accomplish our dreams. So without further ado, Lois, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. That was a little wordy. I've got to make it shorter. <laughs> ah, it's all right. No, I'm 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 one for. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll touch on inner criticism for straight off the bat, um, <laughs> be- because obviously people probably could tell that my voice changes between the introduction and obviously how I'm talking now. So uh, I'm not going to throw my mom under the bus, but as in, it's a criticism I get from my family a lot in terms of my my tonality and my voice uh, is very, oh, I'm going to be harsh on myself, monotonous and very monotoned when I'm reading something and there's not a lot of emotion that goes into it. Um, we touched upon this a little bit off air before we started recording. You talked about the frequency levels that um, obviously shame and guilt reside at versus um there's probably only going to be a select few of individuals that obviously ever ascertain enlightenment. So it's more and more like the monks and people that go into uh, a religious from that perspective. Talk to the audience how low a, a frequency shame and guilt actually resides at. Well, um, I'm taking the information from Dr. David Hawkins, who now lives in heaven. And he did a wonderful thing for us because he gave each emotion a numerical value. We can understand math. When they get a math reading, we know it's true. And someone says, oh, this is better than that. You say, hey, prove it. So this is why I really like what he has done because I say most people in the planet are operating in guilt, guilt, shame. What did I do wrong? How can I fix that? Uh, we're also told you should never regret anything. 
and never be angry, be forgiving, be compassionate. That is true. But they give us shame guilt, which is the lowest frequency. So this is very important for everybody. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Because shame guilt comes in at a 10. And after 10, that's it. There's no life after a 10. Your body can't vibrate anything less than 10. So if you're operating at the lowest vibration, you're not really using your body or your mind or your heart or your soul. So the highest that you can be at is 700,000. That's seven with one, two, three, four, five zeros to the 30th power. And that's enlightenment as uh, James has spoken before. So the gradation between that and 10, you can see that you're really shortchanging yourself. So my purpose, my mission is to get people out of shame guilt because shame guilt has no value. It can only hurt you. Shame guilt is used by our government, religions, your mother, your father, your enemies, your friends, the food people, the car people. Everybody wants you to buy what you're supposed to buy. And if you don't do it, they shame you because that's the, that's the name of the game here, at least in I mean, I've been in 15 countries and it's it's the same, it's just different language. Mm. They go, oh, I know that one. I know that one. And um, I often freaking fre frequent the um, the uh, thrift stores. And I found a book, How to, to Be a Jewish Mother, for a buck. So I said, hey, why not? I'm not Jewish, but I thought it would be interesting. And I will read one sentence to you because it's quite amazing that these words are written in a book to teach parents how to raise their children. And it's okay because it's written in a book. Make guilt work. Underlining all techniques of Jewish motherhood is the ability to plant, cultivate, and harvest guilt. Control guilt and you control the child. Also, let your child hear you sigh every day because of the extra burden you have because you take care of him. If you don't do this, you have to show him how you suffer. When, what, what period of time is the book from, though? Um, 1963. Now, there's another... Um, very instrumental philosopher in the 1800s who wanted all children to be gentlemen. And he said, you know, they have to be beaten because they have to be shown that in these things, you have to do the rules and you have to do this and then so forth. So they would beat them to make sure that they would understand the severity of it. However, the beatings lost their power after a while because you know being an athletic person you, ah, ah, you know it, you, your ego says I don't you, you don't bother me you don't want to take it so they said you must add shame 
guilt to the beatings so that it'd be more effective. And that's that became the law of the land to shame a kid while he's being beaten for something he did wrong or didn't do. So we're taught this way, James. And it's that's why we have an inner critic within us who does the same thing. Because the inner critic was taught what the parents and the government and the culture, etc., have taught us. So we need to understand that it's not part of us. It's an energy. And that's why I am different telling people it's not an emotion. It affects emotions. Like what, what is, happens to your computer when you get a computer virus? Ooh, it, don't even mention it. Well, right? as in if you've, you've already opened it, the, the virus then. Yeah, but also you nothing works properly. And you have to well, get a virus. That's the whole purpose of it, isn't it? Well, you, I use the one, the, the Trojan horse. That's the whole purpose of it. Yeah. Is, oh, yeah, that, James, that's so perfect you said that. Because shame guilt is a Trojan horse. Okay? It's used to make you a victim. Think about it. It doesn't empower you to be all that you can be. It's an energy that puts upon you like a computer virus. You don't see it, but you know what happens to your computer. And what do you do? You get a virus removal program. And that's what we have to get a shame guilt removal program. I teach people how to actually take it out of themselves so that it's no longer burdening them. How long did it take you, though, Lois, to, to, to be able to to do it for yourself um, after what well, you, you'd gone through? Well, I still work at it because it's ever, it's part of it's part of our lives. I'm not saying it's a good part of our lives. It's a part of our lives because we're always um, in battle with it, even though we don't know it. And uh, we need to make uh, friends with our inner critic. I was dying at 55, and uh, luckily I found a Navy SEAL chiropractor healer, <laughs> and um, he really helped me to heal. And But then I had to heal from the emotional traumas. And someone said to me, Lois, what do you do about shame? And I went, oh, my goodness, what an odd word. Because nobody mentioned shame in 1980. I mean, heck, they don't even want to hear it here now. Well, they go a bit better. But nobody mentioned that word. And then I went to the library and I found a Bradshaw's book, Shame is a Sickness of the Soul. And I have the ability to find different ways of doing things. I had a near-death experience in childhood, and I think that's part of the reason why I'm able to find different ways of doing things. They want to pay wants to know what school I went to. Well, I went to God's school, and that's, that's just the way it is. So once I learned about shame, Gil, I saw it in my life, and I could identify it. 
and then get rid of it and don't accept it from other people. And I would talk to my depression. I got tired of talking to therapists. So I talked to myself and said, hi, depression, how are you? Hi, anger, how are you? I don't talk to shame, guilt, but shame, guilt's a negative force. Shame, guilt is a negative force. It turns all our positive emotions to negative ones, like compassion turns to depression. Intuition turns to anxiety. Passion turns to anger. So we don't have like positive emotions and negative emotions. It's just emotion. And they have a positive and a negative aspect. So logically, one would say, well, let's just get rid of the shame guilt. And they all turn back to positive. I'm like, that's a very good idea. So what if you don't get rid of the shame guilt energy, then we have a problem. Okay, I think we had a little stop. Yeah, we had a little bit of a freeze then. So what's your take on on this, Lois? Uh, Jordan Peterson, I'm going to paraphrase because I'm probably going to make a mistake with it slightly. He said that obviously our emotions make up like they're, they're almost like personality traits, that, you know, anger. Like I'll use the negative ones because generally those are the ones that people want to get rid of. But as they're more towards personality traits, would would you be uh, in the same opinion of that, or would you disagree slightly? Well, you can say it's a personality trait. I tend to get angry. There's nothing wrong with that, but they are emotions. We get caught up into lots of words, and that um makes it more difficult to find an answer. That's why I can tell you all about the um, mandula abungata, uh, the, the, the occipital and the parietal lobes and all. Is that going to help you? No. I'm just telling you that shame, guilt is an energy, like love is an energy. Love comes to us, and what do we feel? Joy, and happiness, and confidence. And we can press a million pounds and um, hit every basketball and compassion and we're loving and we're giving and we have confidence. But that comes from love. And on the other side, we have shame, guilt, energy. And it brings us depression, anxiety, hatred. I'm not good enough, so forth and so on. So this is a little different approach, but it actually helps your mind understand it because you're not, shame is bad and guilt is good. And people go back and forth and try to wobble between the two when it's really the same energy. I, I would never say guilt is good. Um, I'm going to share this and hopefully my mom doesn't, <laughs> I won't say that, she wouldn't kill me, but as in, um, my f parents never resorted to violence to discipline me because it didn't work. Um, because not that I didn't obviously shape up and ship shape. I used to get the silent treatment. So the 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 element of that's probably what you're talking about with the the Jewish mother as the book as 
that's one way of enforcing your dominance or another individual from a psychological warfare as in that's a form of torture to to be able to uh give people that's probably something that being an only child i'd crave for people's attention um so the aspect of somebody justifying guilt as a good thing um it's probably shown my evolution as a person to kind of be able to say well it's used it's probably been used a lot throughout my life especially in support to kind of going well you don't do it this person somewhere else in the world is doing that more than and it generally gets an extra ounce of um i don't want to use the word energy but as in it would you'd, you'd find an extra point perspective of reserve that you didn't know was there but in terms of and it's only because a client asked me, I think it was last year, could you not utilize it all the time? You know, dark energy. I was like, I personally would choose not to. Maybe to get a task over the line, like really quickly, it'd be effective, but I wouldn't want to stay in that for too long. It'd be like, okay, that task is now done. I need to go and do whatever meditative technique that i i would utilize at my disposal to stem the tide of that and get some sort of equilibrium at best if not try to get back into the positive but i would probably choose more so to lean into the positives more so now as a coach i wouldn't even even contemplate negative i do do it for sport because as ultimately it's 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 well, it's almost an alter. I almost created an alter, alter ego, but I'm aware of that. As in, I can't be passive in in a sporting thing because ultimately, uh, I'm a very kind person. So that's I need to change it. So I will do that through what we were discussing off air of like, vibration and through music to alter my music, state. Music is wonderful. Yes. The reason I said guilt. Some people say it's guilt because religions call it a moral virtue. Because if you have guilt, you're going to repent for your sins. And there's nothing good about guilt. There's nothing good about guilt. It has, it's just not guilt. You can have other emotions that will forward you to, like we spoke in the beginning about you wanting to give to somebody. You want someone to achieve something. That is your cookie. You know, you want, that's what you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. Guilt has, and I call it chain guilt because it's like a nickel. It has a positive and it has a um, heads and a tail, but it's still a nickel. And that's shame guilt. It's still shame guilt. So I put them together so our mind will stay focused. And in your business, your the minds have got to be focused. Well, I've got to give credit to sport. That it's given me singular focus, and and I, and I explain why I mean this. Uh, to 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 everybody is I get accredited to very good positive attributes in sport, you know, determination, self-discipline, and the list is endless. I can also give negative ones to go alongside that, you know, self-centered, egotistical. And all the athletes will resonate with that because it's like, it was true. It's, I'm not saying I'm not dismissing that it's a, it's a bad trait, but those things 
as a singular yes. focus on you are the center of the 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 world which i think as i grew older i give i give credit to my mom on this one because she she was very present throughout that entire part part of my life and obviously still to this day that she saw the high she saw the lows she saw everything in between but the the immediate family didn't and obviously i was very very well, a very nice person to be around sometimes if i didn't i didn't win or i didn't get my way in, in terms of the, the result working in my favor which obviously sport doesn't work like that there's always going to be a winner and there's always going to be a loser but as a result of that conversation gosh it seems like it only seems like yesterday but it's almost 20 years isn't it years amazing ago. how time is but it's, it's it's only one of those things it's it's how much you give but as in you 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 are nearly 80 years old but you could have no longer been here 25 years ago and we wouldn't be having this conversation but as a result i kind of went it probably took a number of years to be able to to kind of go come from another person's perspective to kind of go well she's right i i need to be able to maybe park that emotion for the moment to be able to well my aunt and my mother went to to, to saw me the other side of the world to compete in china so it's like and this is quite a funny story uh mm -hmm. I, we we end up finishing fifth in, in in the paralympics and i didn't see my family for like weeks uh because of training camps and whatnot and and, and we were not allowed to see family in the run-up to the competition but I said to the first time when I saw my mom, I said, like, we threw the kitchen sink at it and it still wasn't good enough. And she said to me, where's James gone? That's in the space of two years. I've gone from being not able to lean out of what we're talking about, you know, shame and guilt of, oh, I've not done very well. In the grand scheme of things, I think, okay, we are now nearly 20 years on finishing six in the world in your first world championships is not bad going in in the grand scheme of things okay everybody would like to win but it's not a bad result to build from to obviously two years later at the height of what is disability sport to finish we finish fifth there's only one place better but my my response is completely different. I wasn't very happy the next day, but as in, it, it it was more of the aspect of playing back into that shame or guilt as well. In comparison to everybody else, they've all got medals to show for it. I don't really have anything. And it took probably 10 years of retirement to kind of go, well, you have done quite an achievement as, and success is very subjective. It, 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 it is yes it depends what you put onto it well the reason that it's so important to say the word shame guilt and to name it when it comes around is because shame guilt only has one defect it dissolves in detection it's like the magician the jig is up so once you know it and you see it you can ah uh, get away don't mess with me. 
and it, it it leaves because it can only be haunting you when you don't know it's there. That's very important to know. And that's why the word shame guilt, I couldn't talk about maybe 15 years ago because oh, we don't talk about that thing. And that makes it worse because it's given the opportunity to fester within us. And remember the Wizard of Oz? Well, the, the original one then. Yeah. Dorothy goes up the yellow brick road, trembling, trembling, as she sees the wizard. So she finally gets to the mountain. And what does her dog do, little Toto? Goes under the curtain. He pulls the curtain back. And what do we see? A little old man, bald and gray, with a big, big machine and a big crank. And what's it doing? Puffing green smoke. Shame, guilt's a puff of green smoke. It's just that we feel it's so big because it feels so horrible. But it feels so horrible because the energy is so deep and so dark. Whereas joy and happiness is lighter. Doesn't mean that shame yields more powerful. It just means it's a denser, heavier feeling. Not that it's more powerful. Well, I think that's where a lot of the negative emotions in terms of if you give it the position of importance importance or you, you give credit of i, I think the the there's a saying of which there's so many describers of you know the ones that are on the shoulders of which which beast do you want to feed do you want to feed the one that's ultimately <laughs> your, your demise or do you want to give the one that's obviously gonna give give you give up what i'll say from a from a lion's perspective you know pride on things that you you really you would fight and claw towards well, okay, this is possible. Oh, what what if I stretch that beyond that? What 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 could I really truly achieve? And ultimately that's self-belief, self-esteem, and obviously self-confidence. Um and I was watching I've started to follow Deion Sanders a lot on social media because he says he says it as it is. And I, I think the best one that I ever saw at the very beginning was don't define my confidence by your insecurities. And I went, wow, that's, that's quite impactful. Wow. But wow. in but in terms of, I think where that, wherever that person's insecurity lies is you could, you could misinterpret somebody's like overconfidence mm -hmm. as arrogance. That's, as a sports person with the Atlanta Falcons, Dallas Cowboys, he was probably very, very flamboyant character and, and uh, flashy cars, a lot of jewelry. You would think of people that is like, well, they're full of themselves. But it's like, well, if they've got such a belief within themselves that I think I've saw right he in high school he had nobody, nobody, not one member of his family went to go see him play a game. So wow. he's got it. So, so that, so that, as I've never had to experience that as a kid, that to, to, to you've got to create an enormous amount of resilience. That okay, 
in a sporting arena, you are left to your own devices anyway. You are mm-hmm. out there by yourself on, on an island, and ultimately you you've got to show up and sh- and take on the opponent. Or ultimately, you're not going to have a very good day, and you'll be riding the pine. But built on pos- on top of that, of I'm I'm going to assume there's an element of shame and guilt that compared to his his teammates and classmates, I've got nobody in the stands here to su- to support me beyond obviously you know friends uh friends family members classmates that have come to see the team as a whole to to them build see so i can see why he's such a strong force as an individual now that you've kind of not allowed and if people go and watch their content he does talk about shame and guilt probably from a different perspective as i will not allow myself to have a bad day as a result of a, something in a moment. And some of these things are like, you're thinking, well, that's, most of what he's saying is common sense, but why are people not doing it? It's like, I'm not going to allow having one because bad they, moment. Yeah, but they have, we all have been so ingrained with our religion and our culture to feel this guilty shameful mess like like the church preaches if you have guilt it's it's a moral virtue because that's good you no it isn't it's nothing good about it but it puts you in a lower dimension so they can you know capitalize on you and you don't feel good about it because I, was, it's- I was talking about this with my physical therapist a couple of weeks ago Oh, okay. ironically um but we were talking in relation to ai and mm-hmm. where ai is going and it's like well you can't give it a moral compass and you can't because obviously if religion is dictating that it looks like this it's like well no my, my morals and your morals could, could massively differ enormously so who's to say that mine are right you're wrong Yours are right, mine are. So to give it to a computer, the computer probably better find it because it probably go well. No, all these things are immoral. Technically, um, if we were left to our own devices, we'd, we. You've lived through literally uh, uh, nuclear Armageddon. I I haven't. I think we're pretty close at the moment. We're pretty close. We're very close to Armageddon now. I mean, it's. I remember going on the bus. Teenager was 18 cents. Okay. And I went to the movies at a quarter with popcorn. Okay. So so that's true. And I walked to school. And I came home from school myself. And, you know, there was never a fear of anything happening. It just so I was outside walking and I played dodgeball in the streets with my friend. You know, it was totally different. I mean, it's just a shock every day for me. However, I believe that AI, especially the chat, GPT, whatever it is, is truthful. I think they're telling the truth. I feel it. I think we'll become a more moral society because of AI. AI is continually to learn, and you can only learn 
at that rate with truth. And I believe that we will become more, AI will be more truthful than you because AI doesn't have shame guilt, has no alternative motives. It's just, and I've, I did that in my last newsletter. Why does AI become smarter than us? Because AI doesn't have the shame guilt become immoral and not good enough. It's going to push us to get better. It's a different way of looking at it, and I believe that. I've done chat, not like everybody, a lot of it, but it's it's truthful. And that makes its own conclusion. So I asked them to do this and then this and then to compare. And it does it on a truth basis, not on a shame-guilt basis. You got to know most writings are on a shame-guilt basis, even though they don't know they are doing it. But we are so saturated with shame-guilt words and our procedure of doing shame-guilt that we're more shame-guilt. AI is not in shame-guilt, so it's going to be more of a genius quicker than us. Because shame guilt stops us from being our genius. Well, it doesn't have to. It doesn't. It doesn't have to. I'm not going to say it doesn't have to think because that's not technically true. But as in, it doesn't have a bias. That's obviously it, being programmed into it, right, that's right. like you and I have, in terms of I used to have a bad aspect of not getting th things that people probably find it's hard to believe that I've, I've never this <laughs> in 207 episodes uh plus but as in Bless i would you, I'd, I'd either <laughs> be it i'd have to be perfect or i would procrastinate on it and and obviously the two are different different words for shame and guilt because ultimately yeah. i'm presuming or having a presumption that you will view me in a certain light based on I don't know what I've written, what I've said, etc. But what I've learned through coaching, and I obviously teach to clients and everybody, is like, come on, this there's always going to be a cause and effect. There's always going to be a risk or a reward. Universal. What, is, what do yeah. you what what do you want to do? Because ultimately, if I preconce if I've got pre preconceived ideas. I might be 50% right. I'm not going to be 50% wrong because some people might even, and, 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 and I'm lucky that I've got past experience of that in high school that because of having a disability, I thought, well, people are going to treat me differently. And I kind of went, no, I'm, I'm the one that's having to deal with, you know, being sweaty, overheating. And people think it's like, well, what's the light bulb moment? It's like, well, I don't want to feel like this no more. Um, and I think one particular podcast guest said, well, as a teenager, isn't that different? No, that's how I felt. And then this is a solution. So it's just a change. For me, it was obviously incidental because it was, it's a changing from uh, slacks or, or, tr or, or jeans to shorts. Easy fix. I'm not going to solve it completely, but as in that's, something that i've been able to do probably since five six years old um because my mom always likes to remind me of the story of me sitting on the the periphery in in in, in elementary school so primary school watching all the other kids there's an element of probably shame and guilt oh why can't i do this now but the cogs are turning as well okay 
I can't do it like everybody else. James, you're going to have to be the first because I didn't See, know anybody like me. This, this, exactly what you're saying now is so important because we have to put the shame guilt in it. We have to know, we have to find it to get rid of it. You can't, and to be aware of it. And that's what you've done. And that's how you grew emotionally because you actually saw it. Well, oh. I probably didn't categorize it. I probably didn't categorize it at that as a five-year-old, though. Yeah, yeah. So you're working more on a conscious level than an unconscious level, and that's what's so important to do that and to know that shame, guilt, feelings, or whatever you want to call them, can only take you down. So you have to get out of it as soon as you can. I, uh, one client I had had severe guilt because her mother passed from alcoholism and she felt very guilty because she couldn't help her mother heal. Well, you know, and I know that if a person doesn't really want to heal, they're not going to. It's not your fault, but, you know, a daughter feels that way. I asked her to have regret instead of guilt, because guilt has no solution, because you're too stupid and, and not good enough to find a solution. That's what guilt means. You're so you're not good enough to find a solution. Regret, oh, I regret I couldn't help my mother, but maybe I can help others. And so she started um, her lecture series and opened up a clinic for alcoholics and helped them to get back into their natural rhythm. And she was okay. But see, people say, oh, never regret anything. Well, that's better than guilt. Guilt has no solution. So I, I, you know, really want people to hear that, that we can't stay in guilt because we will always make the wrong choices. And you can regret something. You can be angry at somebody. You can be sad. It's okay. We can't be happy all the time because the shame guilt comes in. But we've got to get out of the shame guilt that we do feel. Should they then, Lois, reframe the animation of, you know, the old person on the deathbed to talk about regret? Should you maybe not, maybe instead of using the word regret for things that they maybe... Oh, that's great, James. You're very smart. That's perfect because, oh, I should have done this and I should have done that. And that, uh, yeah, they, they have to reframe that. And that's why people, because I was, you know, when I helping people, I'm going, why is everybody in this regret stuff? Now I know why, because that's how they picture the last moments. I regret I didn't do this. I regret, oh, I'm so sorry. I regret it. Regret's a good emotion. If handled, I mean, I regret I couldn't do it. So, I regret I put all my money in the stock and it went down, so I'm not going to do that anymore. Regret teaches us. Regret teaches us. Guilt doesn't teach us anything. Well, I, I, I think it's because it's, 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 I, this is my opinion, so people can obviously yeah, please, challenge please. this by all means. I believe that obviously there's this obsession with regret because obviously it's a negative emotion comparison to you know taking action and, and actually doing the things that 
you are passionate about and what what's going to give you a commitment to follow through with something. But I'm going to give credit to my family because they're very old school in terms of you don't get to do the jobs that you want to do, thus that you need to pay the bills. Blah, 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 blah. There's an element of shame gift in that as well. But in terms of, yes, on one hand, literally I could name all my family members to say it to me at one point in time, they're right, because that's what we've been conditioned to do. Because, But I live in an age, or we live in an age now, that if you have any inkling towards... You could say we were in a credit crunch. Technically, it's true. I could, yeah. I could, I could feel it. I could be despair as a result of that. But as a result of you and I talking on a computer, there's never been in a more opportune time to make a side hustle. That hey, if you are you, well, let's say you create something that people want on demand, poof, your 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 life changes overnight. So very quickly. Very quickly. So, so I think people. We touched on music, maybe, maybe consume less of the news, because that's uh, built on fear and all and all that. But there, that's where they make the money. There, there is a double dose of shame guilt. Fear is locked in shame guilt, and that's that's what they use is fear, but it's shame guilt. So. Shame, guilt dissolves in detection, so the jig is up. But I think I don't. I don't know why there's that obsession towards, you know, being on your deathbed and unregret. I pop. I pop. Well, I'm. I'm. It's my birthday today, as we're recording. So I'm 37. Um, so it makes a change. That make give myself the wrong age. But even I, I believe potentially sometime in the future there's going to be some aspects of well i i, I wish i maybe did this this or that or the other i'm not going to name it but as in, but i think because of one the willingness to learn a little bit more about myself there's still there's a lot there's probably say put it equivocally equal and that's been nice. I think it's probably better, more good than, than there would be bad that I can look at things that I was able to accomplish and, and to be able to showcase that to people as, as a result of, I'll use the disability because that's probably the starting point. If I hadn't been born with a disability, I probably wouldn't have in all likelihood been a professional athlete to then be able to do speak on the TEDx stage to then doors of as a result of all these things have opened. I've just taken the path to step through them. Well, I think as, um, oh, how old I've been, about 11, 12, there's an element of shame, guilt that, oh, I want to be like everybody. Well, I can't be normal. My life would have been completely different as a result if if I was... I don't even need to rub a magic, magic lamp and wish for it. I'm very appreciative of it as, okay, every day is not good and bad. There's going to be good and bad, yeah. but I take that with a pinch of salt as, as a result, and this is not to boast in any way, shape or form, I'll be humble on that, that, that account. I've probably been able to do in less than four years that maybe some people will never achieve in their lifetime. 
and that's quite scary. Well, that gave you the motivation, and that's why I was able to do what I did because I had to conquer all these head injuries and traumas, and I learned that you just got to keep going, and the more I healed, I used so much energy to keep moving and raising my three children by having all these maladies that when I got well, I was like, my goodness, you can't stop me. I have all this energy, you know, <laughs> because I use so much energy just to keep moving. And then now without obstruction, my goodness, it, it's, it's just phenomenal. So would, so would Lois, would you put, um, and I do apologize for interrupting there for a second. Would you put you personally complaining in there as well with the shame guilt a little bit? You know, it could, it, it's a, as as in, you know, pointing the fingers, always moaning about it. It's obviously going to go into negativity to some extent to start with if, if you're always complaining. No, I... I didn't feel sorry for myself. I just was always occupied with how am I going to heal? Because everybody says I'm going to die. So I was, <laughs> <laughs> because, and it was true. I mean, uh, my heart had a leaky valve and I had all these brain, I couldn't go out in the sun. That's how many brain traumas. Oh, I had wow. to stay in the house and I could only shop at night. And I had scoliosis so bad it crushed my heart and everything. So I didn't feel sorry for him. I remember I lost three three miscarriages also. And then I had three babies. And and then all of a sudden I remember driving one time and I said, Others are others and I am me. Others are others and I am me. And I just I just was occupied with who the heck's going to help my body because I know it's fixable, but nobody seemed to be able to do it until I found somebody. So that was my fixation. And I finally found somebody. But I didn't feel the poor me. I really never did. I, and I think that's unusual because I never felt myself sick. I just couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. But that didn't equate to being sick. It's interesting how your mind, my mind would work. So is this maybe why it's dangerous if a person gets into that mindset of poor, because that's obviously, we're talking about victimhood a little bit more so than being a victim. Yeah, I, I just was, the mindset was, this person doesn't know what they're talking about, so I, maybe I'll talk to this person. And they talked a little better, but not that. And I, you know, I just kept on the mindset I wasn't sick. And I said, that's really weird. They say I'm dying, but I'm not sick. It was really interesting. And I never realized it until people like you, James, asked me about it. Because I never had the mindset of being sick. <laughs> until somebody said, didn't you feel sick? And I went, no, I just couldn't find the right doctor. I wasn't sick. And you're right. It's the mindset. And that's what carried me through it. Well, it, it 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 is a form of sickness mentality. Uh, it's, if we want to put it as an attitude, you can yeah, definitely attitude. layer that. You can definitely layer that as well. 
do you, have you lost all hope? No. To I, to, to I wouldn't know what the other end of the spectrum would be. To to, to to I think I think a lot of that. I think people are quick to use words and labels to def. And, and 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 okay, this is taking me decades <laughs> to probably be able to realize to like, well, what, what, why? Uh, I've got um, a coffee mug in in, in the kitchen uh, for my zodiac sign, and one of the traits of a tor taurian is lazy, and I, I'm going to do a video on it because it's funny. Um, but on the mug itself, there's only two negative ones that I would take as negative if you were to 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 to, to take it as. I would never define myself as lazy. The acts of some of the things that I do, maybe, you know, to maybe enjoy the weekend sometimes, maybe a little bit, maybe too much. So that's the circumstance of, of being lazy, but maybe the body could do with some rest. Yeah. So it's the same thing, but I didn't sit down and say, I have to change my mindset. It just was. So why do you think there's this 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 fixation between what is positive negative for people kind of going well I've seen it because ultimately it got me thinking well what's this obsession with being happy all the time which obviously doesn't exist there's, well everything is yin and yang it depends on the amount of shame guilt you're carrying because shame guilt's cumulative. Mm -hmm. Just because you're 40 or 50 doesn't mean you got rid of it when you're 10 and 12. It comes with you. It comes with you. And they call it middle-aged crisis. Now they call it other things. But in my my world, you know, when you were 50, and that's dementia and everything else. It's the shame guilt. It piled, 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 piled. So the more that you can release and the less that you can take on, that's where you have to make friends with your inner critic. Plus, your inner critic is telling you all these things, but your inner critic's in the wrong timeline. He's living when you're two and three, and now you're, what, 33, 42? Hey, can you come into my timeline now? My inner critic calls himself king. And um, he decided that he didn't have to babysit me anymore with shame guilt, and he goes around the world finding me podcasts. So he changed his job. So your inner critic can change his job, but you can't tell him to do it. You have He has to come up with it because that's narcissistic to um, do that to your inner personality parts. So everything is the amount of shame guilt you're carrying. It just is. Is there any healthy level? I don't think you should have any, but I haven't been able to get rid of all of it. So it's a process. I don't think there'd probably be a the person be very very you could I could generalize and say an introverted person attend I'm I would class myself as introverted but I'm not uh, in comparison to what an intro, introverted person doesn't really need anybody they're almost like a that's again as, that's shame guilt it's a shame guilt I don't need anybody that's a shame guilt infection inside of that. Everything's shame guilt. When you sit down and you think about it, you go, everything is shame guilt that stops you from being you. Is that because the individual is trying to rationalize? I'm quite good at this, Rational, like rationalizing, rationalizing. and, and, and oh, yeah. logic to, well, if I can give you 
yeah, I did do this with a fellow. I did it with a colleague because um, uh, he was very much into uh, yoga type stuff and, and meditation. So I was like, oh, do you mind helping me with some of this this baggage that I've got? I'm willing to, I, was, I, was, I was willing to... Well, I wouldn't define it as that anymore. But as in the my relationship between myself and my dad is was not the best growing up. So uh, and and he, but what I was doing on the like all very much like this was he'd ask me a question and I'd give it like with a logical answer and I went, no, you can't do that, James, because you're you're not really fully immersing yourself to. I don't say help, but as in to be able to have a greater understanding. You've got to be true to yourself. Yeah, so I was. I admitted to, hey, I'm lying to you. I'm lying to myself that I'm giving you a reasonable answer. Reasonable answer to the question, but I'm answering it with. Really, we don't get we don't get further down the line. It's just an answer. Um, and he and he's like, well, yeah, I know, James. It's good that you can admit to that. And the exercise itself was weird because I had to be myself as a child and my dad. And that was weird. just literally turning myself from one side. That was, but how long ago? That's about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer ago. But as a result, my relationship with my dad itself is better now. And those things are happening naturally as I've brought up a lot of things, but they're happening there, gradually. There's no such thing as time. So you can always go back when you're five years old and talk to your five-year-old self and work it out and get rid of the shame guilt that the five-year-old is carrying. I did a film on talking to the inner personality parts and the inner critic. It's called Out of Discord into Harmony. And I have kid actors and the teenager as the inner critic. <laughs> You'll get a kick out of it. But anyway, um, there's no such thing as time. So to tell your parents now what happened 20 years ago doesn't work because they're not the same person you have to go back in time and that's why it works well what i was watching yesterday is it builds upon what you've just said lois of you know there is no past but it was one from a mind depending on what level of understanding you had towards i think self-development or self-improvement was how you would be able to contact i didn't listen to I, i've saved it because i haven't watched it all because it was later at night i was like no i'm gonna have to come back to this because otherwise they won't it's, yeah I'm not it, gonna we get do those. have a past but there's no time meaning that you can go back you can time travel and go back and help the child of five years old you can do that because there's no time there's a past so i say um, you change the future by changing the present. You change the present by healing the past. So I want to get your take on this then. And I'm going to try to give as much context as I can from the, the TikTok. The person analyzed loads of successful people and all these successful people had traumatic childhoods. Why why isn't somebody that is okay, quote unquote unsuccessful 
why are they not able to have the same connection between the two from your personal opinion um i may not understand the question but you don't have to be abused to be a strong person um i know some people that are very strong very smart and they had a you know fairly decent childhood from my perspective is that I had many, many obstacles. I stuttered. If you got brain traumas, you're going to stutter. And I had Erin syndrome because the words moved because of all the brain traumas. And I was called an idiot child because in 1950, nobody knew about dyslexia and Erin syndrome and stuttering. So, yeah. And they put me in the back of the class so that I wouldn't bother these smart people. <laughs> anyway. Um, but it made me more independent. It depends on how you use your circumstances. I think that's the way to use it. Do you it. think that? Do you think that that particular? It wasn't a very long video. Do you think it take it's can be misconstrued and be manipulated to almost like shame as well? Are you only only unsuccessful because you haven't done it? It was more in the formative years, which is zero to seven, and I went mm, well in my life, other than not having a leg i've not really faced that much trauma uh until i went into high school or middle school can 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 you just wait a minute i smell something burning in the kitchen no problem no matter what i was given or not given i would be successful because that's just who i am Um, I don't think you have to be abused to be strong. You have to you have to do a little bit more work. Well, that um, was that was the 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 way, wasn't it? Though, in in, in yeah, I've only got to take as I've got to take my my aunt and my mother's experience from getting beaten at school for doing things badly, you know, with the cane and things like that, and it's like, well. In some regard, maybe should they maybe bring it back because then it would create a little bit of, I won't say fear, but as in there's, there's a consequence of you do something yeah, bad. But in terms of what you've discussed today, Lois, in terms of, well, if you attach shame and guilt, uh, I live in, in, in North Wales, so... Uh, the language of wealth was banned during when my mum and aunt went to school because it was subjugated under. Thus, you would be humiliated if you spoke the the native language, which is um, through my the people in my age group. They've slowly reintroduced it back, so that's what's like 50, 40, 50, 60 years of. So I can't speak the language, but so there's an element of guilt a little bit because it's my mother's tongue so i should be able to so reframe reframe the guilt and regret say, regret I, regret that i can't speak i can yeah. speak two other languages so it's still pretty fair going other than english um and well she's like no other language in the world so <laughs> yeah uh so but nobody else in my family can speak that speak welsh either but where i live in this part of North Wales is predominantly English speaking anyway. So yes, 
I, I would like to at some point. I keep putting it off because it is so difficult. Um, and there was only a moment in time where I worked in education, but I'd be in and out of the class because of my job as a teaching assistant. It'd only be based on the uh, if the pupil would needed. Um, I don't want to call them special needs, as in uh, they need additional needs uh, mm -hmm. based on you know the writing isn't very good or they're they're, they're a bit slower learning in comparison to other. But my Welsh was better than some of the pupils. It's like you're in here almost every single day. I'm in and out maybe once a week, every two weeks. And but maybe because I was more engaged to kind of go, well, okay, what does that mean? And and same um with the the other languages uh they taught French. The the teacher's retired now, but he he found me very useful because it's an additional teacher because of my upbringing in uh, my, my parents uh, being deployed overseas in Belgium. I did from three to 16 years old in French. Yeah, so. it was very interesting, James, when you said, I feel a little guilty about that. Your head went down. And then when you said, oh, I can use regret, your head came up. So it does affect us when we say, I feel guilt. You be it, it it activates that frequency within you. Well, Just, sub, uh, sub subconsciously, isn't it? But as in, I've leaned into. Oh, what's the name of the book? It's by Trevor Marwood. It's, uh, it takes what it takes. Um, and I, uh, and his dad was very into positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point that they, they didn't even listen to country music when the, when he was growing up. But he's got into the, more of this. He's very, very big within the, the the NFL teams, working with them from with all their stuff. But he was like, you need to have this middle ground where I don't like how more of the the mindfulness tools do it. They like, it, it doesn't matter. It's like, well... If it doesn't matter, why am I thinking about it? But that's how my mind breaks. If it's not, if it's positive, that's wonderful. If it's negative, probably how I used to be. What re reframe it is how do we get from the bad to the good? Whereas maybe I'll probably lean into it as you're talking about as like the the healing process. As hey, it's it it's it's something something's testing me. Why don't I have a greater understanding of it? So thus, when it occurs more and more, it has less of imposing power over me. Because you can use regret as negative. You can use angry. I'm angry at that guy. I hate that guy. You can use negative emotions because they're part of us and you have to express yourself. Just don't use guilt to express yourself. That's what I'm saying. All positive is not good and all negative. I mean, you got to just, you know, because you're a combination of both until you're a uh, um, singularity um, robot. <laughs> so, but I'm saying just don't use the word shame. Don't use the word guilt because it brings you, your whole face went down. When you said, I regret, you had your head up. Yeah, I regret that. And I did this and I did that. Guilt, no solution. It's amazing. It's amazing how it affects us energetically. Well, it's the spoken language. And think because of that book, 
he's a, I think Trevor is a sports psychologist by trade. He went, it's 10 times as more ammunition if you were to, so it probably had a, more of a negative, I didn't even notice until you told me. Uh, I probably, if, 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 I want, if you were to watch the, the this episode, I was supposed to listen to it, you'd probably see, I wasn't aware of it and, and probably my, Frequency as a result probably dipped and maybe notches a, a or two, but it's that's very interesting. And then when you go to church and you guilted and then you did that, and you should have guilted. But I mean, my goodness, you had a horrible Sunday already, you know. Anyway, that's enough of that one. But anyway, um, if you have a chance, watch Out of Discord into Harmony. It's on my YouTube channel, and uh, you'll I, you think you'll probably enjoy that talking to your inner self. Well, I think that um, is it. Disney or Pixar did something similar, similar to it, but this is much deeper because I talk to the inner critic. Unless you talk to the inner critic, I mean, if you want something to change, you talk to the boss or the one that parks the car. You talk to the boss. You think you run your life. You don't run your life. Your inner critic runs your life. Unconsciously, has more power than you. So you have to make friends with your inner critic, because. He will, he or she will, he's in charge, but he's in the wrong timeline. So it talks to you about how to do that. Well, I think as a result of that, Lois, you, you, this is my understanding. You're almost like a byproduct of, if I use it from a geneticist point of view and then a different, more or less complicated perspective is I think it's 17 generations are encoded into your DNA. So technically that's 16 other, 17 other people. Yeah. And aspect that's you've, you've had no choice whatsoever to, to be a, as in you would probably go, no, nah, don't want that in that. Can we change that sequence slightly? But that's something that I've, almost had a fascination to to learn more about as okay i've had my i wouldn't say my traumas is anywhere near yours and and that's just my opinion but how does my trauma relate to my mother's and my aunt's uh, because they lost their father at 15 years old which is and, and that would have been in the 60s okay you don't analyze it from their perspective. You analyze it from the little kid inside of you. See, traditional people would do, well, how did your mother do that? How did you? You have to talk to your inner self. How did your inner self respond to it? Not you, James. George, who's inside of you. I see a George there. <laughs> so you're doing the mind therapy. You got to do the heart therapy. The heart therapy is talking to your inner self and you have an inner family. And the person in charge is the inner critic. Well, I think that's the obsession people have, isn't it? I need to talk, talk, talk my, not talk myself out of it. I need to create a thought to work myself out of it, which I think a lot yeah, of people... It, Think of but, rationale and logic as well. If I can, but that doesn't heal. It's only in the mind. Ther therapy is n it should not be in the mind. 
It's in the heart. And because the heart connects to the soul. You got to do the inner self, right? And the doggy's good. So anyway, <laughs> watch that. It'll be interesting. Let me know. Keep me in charge. I will. I will do. Well, Punch. I think the, 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 the intuition of how I've probably worked my way into it gradually is I had issues with anxiety a couple of years ago. Um, but it was a buildup of what you're talking about, the manifestation of probably years of shame yeah. and guilt as well in comparison to, that's why I say success is very subjective. My division is division, division, definition of it 10 or so years ago would have been a shiny object to, 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 to the final, oh, did I get a gold medal at the height of my powers? Oh, is it a success? No. Uh, to, I had this inability to not, I'd put things on the back burner, you know, oh, I'll deal with that thing when the time Later. comes. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that's okay because everybody has a time clock whenever they need to work. So that's immature. You just can't rationalize and solve it by your brain. You got to talk within yourself. Well, I think it's that. I think the pandemic showed it a little bit, like in the beginning, that people were willing to off. Oh, it's going to be like six weeks. I'll yeah. do some inner work. I'll I'll be okay with. Yeah, I'll try do a weekend seminar. But I <laughs> I I saw it's like no, it's can't. Most it's most human beings have been conditioned, thanks to convenience. I won't name any of the companies, but as a, through convenience that, oh, if I do it, pay for it today, I get it tomorrow or more extreme is probably literally same day now. So everything else as a result will happen overnight. It's like, well, health and fitness doesn't work like that. Mental stuff doesn't work like that. Healing yourself should, won't work overnight because if we're talking about, in my case, Probably twenty decades, uh, twenty decades, two decades worth. Of, I don't know how many twenty twenty decades with Bebas and two decades worth of yeah, living takes up time. to un unrealistic expectations of myself based on maybe an understanding of other people's. Yeah, I mean it's good to get get the understanding in your brain. There's nothing wrong with that, but the healing takes place inside yourself when you talk to yourself. Add a, add a discord into harmony. Yep. It'll be fun. Well, I think it's, it's, it's difficult because, not me personally, but I think that a lot of people live for the weekend. Oh, I hate my job. Monday to Friday. I'm generalizing because some people might like, like their job, but they still think the weekend. No, more. but that is that is true. But they're, what, what they're doing as a result is they're using... You know, going out drinking, doing other substances as an escapism. It's like, well, you're not really gonna but ever, that's, ever heal because you're not willing to deal with everybody. Everybody's not ready to heal, so that's just the way it is. You know, everybody has to do what everybody needs to do. You can't, you know. That's everybody has choices, and you know. 
this was my choice for this lifetime. So, and yours too. So, but not everybody has the same choices. Well, I think because I hit rock bottom on there was. I think for me, it's because I'd hit rock bottom and there yeah, was that's... no go- there was no going any lower. Uh, there probably was. Yeah, but, but I think yeah. I think I think for me it was like, well, this all the range back. This is it. This, this is this, this this is this is as far as I want to go. The only way is up, and it was through through speaking with a counselor that mm-hmm. I was able to um, work through those things things. yeah and then as a result uh as a result be presented with meditation at the time because my my perspective towards it before that was like it's is this woo woo is like we'll call it wizard of Oz type of thing it's like (laughs) this all in the in in the real world of where i live i haven't got the the dedication that maybe Buddhists have, I, well, I I can't put aside that, but I was willing to, I think, cause I, cause I was so low as like, well, talking, what I got within, to lose? talking within yourself is really a meditation. You're communicating with your inner self. That is a meditation. So I can't do a, a, a um, a nondescript, whatever my brain, that my, I, I take my children with me, my kids. So my final question I'd like to ask you today, Lois, and I like to ask this of every guest: if you got to sit down with any, I'm gonna call it loosely coach, uh, for that matter, who would that be and why? Well, I have a different answer for that because people ask that a lot. Um, I've never had a coach and I've never had a mentor. Not that I haven't followed somebody, you know, and, and understood their philosophies and I learned something, but I, they weren't my coach. They weren't my mentor. Because nobody went as far as I did. It, it, I wanted always to go further and no, everyone had their limit so to speak. Nothing bad. It's just that I can't say I'm a met, you know, that person's my mentor or I had a coach. Um, the I, I do a lot of spiritual writing. I just sit down, God talks and I write. That's, you know, I'm the secretary. And the only thing I can say is I follow the footsteps of Jesus. He's the only one that never disappointed me. <laughs> I'm very serious. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. That's very serious. I've met some incredible beings. And and my last question before we go, Lois, if you had to summarize what we've spoken about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Shame guilt is not ours to own or to give. So, Lois, once again, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I think we'll speak again. (laughs) Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes 
below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hoth. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete.